Happy Sabbath. So awesome to be here as I look out and see all of you. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, these are the people I'm going to spend eternity with. That's an exciting thought, you know? Isn't that awesome? I bring you greetings this morning from Camp Wakanda. It's beautiful there, like always. We had four inches of snow last night. My husband, bless his heart, he got up really early this morning to get all the snow plowed. We have two groups up there right now so that he could take me because I thought, well, God can help me on these back roads, but I sure love it when he comes along. And it's always special for us to come here, too, because um, his cousin Sashi is here and and um, somebody that's very, very dear to his heart. So we're just so thankful that we can have this privilege of worshiping you. This morning, um, I, I stand before you, a sinner, that once again, this morning, was washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we go, where we, where we go in life. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have anything. And as I, a few years ago, God been preparing me for uh, this journey that I'm on. And it's an incredible journey that he's given me with his children. But not just with his children. We've done women's ministries. We just got back from Antigua um, with the Youth Congress and also some other things that we did over there and had the privilege of meeting with um, the president of the, com- of the country. And it was an awesome experience to share Jesus And it doesn't matter if we do that or at the bedside of someone that's that's sick and dying or somebody that's broken. It's a privilege that we have as a people to share the God that we have, a Jesus in Holy Spirit power. But you know, in God, in preparing us for the last day of the latter rain, we have to have the early rain. We cannot go forward with the Lord. We can play church, but you know, brothers and sisters, we will never ride one of these pews to heaven. We can't. We have to get up off our seats and we have to do something. And we say, well, I'm going to wait till I'm perfect. I'm going to wait till I, you know, that God's finished with me. Then I'll get out and do something. But you know, God works with us while we are right there in the moment with him. While we, we reach out to think about others and help others, it frees him to come in and do his heart work in our own hearts. And the God that we serve says, Wake up! Wake up, my people! You're sleeping! You keep going backwards. You think about all the things that you've done or all the things that someone else has done. And you have all this unforgiveness in your heart or you're hanging on to all this stuff that you just think I can't get along without or you're planning the next social or the next potluck. We aren't even ready for the final crisis that's about ready to come upon us. Jesus is coming soon and he's saying, people, wake up. I ain't, there are people next door to us that don't know Jesus, and they need to know him. They need Jesus. It's time to, to get off our couches and come away from the TV sets and start getting down on our knees and praying because it is forward on our knees. That's how we press on the upward way. That's how we prepare to meet our God is forward on our knees. 
We have to have that special time with him in the morning when he calls us. I've said, Lord, a long time ago, I said, Lord, how am I going to just, you know, keep waking up? I don't use an alarm clock anymore because God wakes me up. He woke me up about five minutes to four this morning, and he said, Linda, I'm waiting for you. And he wakes me up with a song, and the song this morning was, Lo, He Cometh. All glorious, lo, he cometh. And I was like, praise God, I just got out of bed. And, and I could hear as I was coming out, Jim saying, Linda, you do realize it's not 5 o'clock yet. Because he knows I get up usually at 5 o'clock. And I said, I know, I know, honey. You know, But God is amazing because he loves us so much. He wants to meet with us so bad that he'll even wake us up. And every morning he wakes us up with a song. And I record that song every morning and date it. Because I don't want to forget the gifts that God gives me. And I'll tell you, I can't afford to miss time with God. Because if I don't miss time with him, I don't hear his voice saying, Linda, you hurt those people's feelings. You need to go tell them you're sorry. And if I haven't prayed in the morning, like, make me willing and instant and obedient to you, I don't even, I'll think about, well, Lord, but do you know what they did to me? You know, but... When I have my time with God in the morning and I'm praying to be instantly obedient with a willing and joyful heart, I call them. I make it right because I want it right with my God. I don't know the stuff that's in my own heart. I just take care of the stuff that God brings to my mind. He knows my heart is deceitful above all things. But as I reach out to other people and I give him my heart every day, he can do what he wants with me. And, and I can hear his Holy Spirit saying, Linda, that's not the way to do it. There's a quote that I keep in my Bible. Not in our learning, nor in our position, not in our numbers or entrusted talents, not in this will of man is to found the secret of success. Feeling our inefficiencies, we are to contemplate Christ and through him who is the strength of all strength, the thought of all thought, the willing and obedient will gain victory after victory. That's where it's at, brothers and sisters. By living to minister to others, we are brought into living connection with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is how we press on the upward way. We can't do it by just sitting there all day long reading my Bible. Well, I've just about got it finished reading. No, this Bible must become alive. It's a love letter to us to help us on our journey. This week, just a couple days ago, about 5 in the morning, I received a phone call. And it was a phone call from another country. And they were crying. And, uh, and it's a long story, but through the process of th this young girl who's going through a hard time in a hard marriage, I hard adopted her as my daughter. And she calls me Mommy. And she said, Oh, Mommy. She said, I'm so scared. I've been screaming, I'm so scared. I said, what's the matter, honey? And she said, I was, I was woken up because a hooded fig figure came toward me with burning red eyes. And it was ready to kill me. And I'm just sat here screaming, and all of a sudden, all I could think of was to call you. And I said, that is Satan. And are you, do you have, are you doing, do you have anything that you're hanging on to that's inviting his presence into your room? She said, no, not that I know of. And 
I said, then let's start praying. And I started pouring my heart out to God. I grabbed my, I had my Bible, and I was claiming promises. You know, this is a weapon against Satan. When the weakest person utters the name of Jesus, Satan trembles and flees. Satan has no power over Jesus at all. And I said, I began to just pray and plead for God in the name of Jesus. To cast Satan out of there. Finally, she was able to turn a light on. And she had a friend there with her. And I said, put some music on about Jesus. Because that will chase Satan away. You know, the weapons that we have are prayer, the word of God, and songs about Jesus. They are the most powerful weapons. If the world used them, they'd never pick up a rifle again. Because they're the most powerful weapons that we possess. And we as Christians, we leave our, our weapons, our love letters from God, on a shelf to collect dust and get them out maybe once a week. You know, so it's time for Sabbath. We've got to have worship. We can't survive, brothers and sisters, without God's word. We cannot go forward in our lives. We're just going to keep doing the same thing, the same thing. You wonder why there's no power. If you want more power, then more prayer. That's where the power is. Jesus, early in the morning, spent time with his, savior, with, with his Father in heaven. He didn't have time while he was going on throughout the day. He didn't have time to stop and say, well, let's have a prayer session. There was a man with leprosy right there. He had to cure him. He had to heal him. No. He had that time with God. He was so one with the Father because of that special time that he spent that he was merely acting out the Father's will, and he, was, and he could heal. And he did all these things all day long. But when he was done, at the end of the day, he had time again with his Father. And in the morning, he never missed those times with his heavenly Father. We cannot afford. We are on, we are, we are on the, the brink of eternity, and we as Christians act like it's a picnic. We're in, we're in the Satan's war zone. We spread out our little blankets on there, and we get our picnic baskets, and we eat our veggie dogs, and we think we're okay. We're not okay. Meanwhile, while we're sitting there, arrows and bullets and everything's whizzing past us. And we're oblivious to what's really happening. Jesus is coming soon, brothers and sisters. We've got to wake up. Now is the time when we need to say, we need to go to those people that we've hurt and say, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I let you down. I'm sorry that my sins hurt you. And we as people that have been hurt, we have to go back and say, Lord, please, please help me. Give me your forgiveness. And we have to say, I forgive forgive you. I forgive you. You know, I had somebody that hurt me so bad, and I was really struggling in ministry with this, and I was, couldn't give up that hurt because they hurt me. And when I realized that what a mockery to Jesus on the cross, he suffered and he was hurt, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when I could forgive and go there and forgive and say, I forgive you, I realized all the things I had done wrong that had caused them to be upset. 
Isn't God amazing? We can't see when our eyes have this big beam in them. We can't see our own problem. We can only see the little speck in someone else. God is, is striving to help us. I went on to, I don't go on to Facebook very much because I don't have time. I try to put a little spiritual message out there. But usually somebody, and this week, will pop up and want to chat. A young girl from an Adventist home, a college-age girl. And she said to me, she, through the chatting, she said, I just feel lost. It's not worth it anymore. She said, I go through the motions. I'm a good girl. Everybody thinks that I am just a saint. She said, I keep the Sabbath. She pays her tithe. She does all the things that everybody thinks she's so wonderful for. And she said, you know, just this last, last, not too long ago, she said, I went out with this guy. I shouldn't have gone. I got drunk. And she said, now I'm, I, I'm afraid I'm pregnant. And I can't tell my parents because they're good Adventists and my dad will just, will just hit the ceiling. He'll be so angry that how could I do this to the family? You know, parents, we paint such bad pictures of Jesus to our children. When we mess up, what does Jesus do for us? He forgives us. He cleanses us. He says to us, here, Linda, let me help you up. You've gotten dirty, but I'll clean you and I'll put a new robe on you. You're going to be okay because I'm going to help you. I, you know, it's not the plan. I, I didn't plan for you to go through this, and you're going to have to suffer some of the circumstances, but I will be with you through the journey. Can't we say that to our children? Can't we love our children the way Christ loves us? Do we always think that they have to, you know, do the, if they don't do this and this and this, why, they're going to make me look bad. Let's face it, parents. Aren't we a little worried about that? We're more worried sometimes about ourselves and our reputation than our own children and their salvation. And we wonder why they go out the back door. And I know what I'm saying. Because I have a son, we have a son that doesn't know the Lord right now. And when I almost fell apart over that, God said to me, Linda, do you still want to go to heaven even if your son doesn't go to heaven? Do you still want me even if he doesn't want me? And through crying and tears, I had to tell the Lord, yes, I still want you even if Jimmy doesn't want you and I still want to go to heaven even if he doesn't. And then God told me, that he wanted me to start praying for other people's children and he would take care of mine. And so I started that journey for a few years of just praying for other people's kids. And no matter where I've been around the world, we just come back from Brazil. I had a mother crying and throwing her arms around me because her, her, her child had left the Lord. And I could hug that mother and pray for Bruno because I knew God was taking care of Jimmy. You see, we have a God that loves us. And when we as parents aren't the good, good examples like we should be, we have a father who forgives us and who takes care of our children and he helps us on our journey. So if you want to go forward with the Lord, it's all the way with prayer and it's in service for him because that's where you'll find the joy. There's a young girl that contacted me and she said, I said, well, what made you contact me? And she said, well, I'm very, I'm very shy, and I don't really tell people my feelings, and I don't talk to people. And she comes from a broken home. 
and she has a mom who is not practicing the faith, Seventh-day Adventist faith, and she has a dad who's going to undo everything the mother does, so he has a ton of rules, and so she hates being with the dad more than she does with her mom, who's always working and never home, but it, it's a hard life that she has. And she began pouring, and, and you know, one thing that was very interesting to me is that, do you know that sometimes the only Bible anybody may see, may see is the expression on our face? This girl said to me, and it made me really aware of it when she said that. I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I need to put this into more practice. Thank God for covering me the time she did see me. But she said, I saw you at camp, and you were smiling, and you looked like such a happy person. I said in my heart, I want to know her. You know, people want to know Jesus, but not if we chase them away, not if we push them away. And so as I've come to, uh, I've come to love this girl, and we've had many phone calls and, and, and things, and she called me and she said, I'm really uptight and I'm going to go smoke. And I said, I'm on my knees. And we were on the phone. I got down on my knees and I started praying and pleading for the Holy Spirit to come upon her, to take away this desire. And then I said, Lord, when she puts it to her mouth, up to her lips, may she be nauseated. And when she sticks it in her mouth, may she vomit. And on the other end, the girl is going, ooh. And I said, exactly, exactly. This is the temple of God. And you know, she didn't smoke. And she'll call me up and say, I didn't smoke. I didn't take that drink. I didn't go to that dance. Because she told me she was going to this, this dance where a bunch of kids were going. And, you know, Satan just plays on those places. And she said, and then she said, she said, um, uh, she, was, she told me she had gone to a prom. And she said, what's wrong with the prom? And I said, oh, forgive us adults for being so stupid. And she said, huh, what? And I said, we supply the music and all the stuff, and we let you dress like you have half, half your clothes missing. And then we put you together with all these guys, and we wonder why stuff happens. I said, we are so stupid. And she said, well, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, you're right, that, that does sort of happen. I said, yeah, please forgive us adults for that, for providing that kind of activity for you. And as she's, she'll call up and ask me for certain things, well, is this wrong or that wrong? And as I was praying, I said, I'm praying that, that, that your friends will all cancel out of the dance. And she said, I'm going because my friends are going. She said, oh, well, they're not canceling out. She called me afterwards. She said, you know what? Every single one of them said they're not going to that dance. And I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And she said, wow, she said, that's amazing. And to where God has brought this girl who is, keeps going back and forth, I have to share with you, it's so exciting. She woke me, she, she, she didn't wake me up, but she called me at sat five minutes to seven, and she said, it's almost seven, time for you to pray. Because I remember to pray early in the morning when I'm having my early morning prayer. But around the world right now, Seventh-day Adventist, it's called 777. Seventh-day Adventist praying seven days a week at 7 o'clock, whether it's 7 in the morning or 7 at night, for revival in our own hearts, in our churches, and for the outpouring of the latter rain. Have you heard about that? Well, that is happening. And I told this young girl, I said, I want to pray for this. 
but I keep forgetting in my regular prayers. I, I pray for, we have this uh, woman, uh, the thing, people that have come to women's retreat. Um, uh, Ethel and I have these, all these prayer requests, and so I go through them, you know, and I pray for, you know, a big sheet of them every day and different things, and I forget to pray for this 777, and I happen to tell her that. She calls me at 7 in the morning and at 7 at night, or she'll text me and say, time to pray. Time to pray, Linda. And I write back, I text back and say, thank you, praise God. I am thanking God for you. And I say, I love you. And she says, I love you too. There's so much I want to share with you. But one thing I do want to share with you, and that is that we need to not only press means to push. You know what push means? Pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. In Florida, there was a, a, a bad custody. There's, all custody there's, no, there's no good custody battles. They're all bad. But this little girl was being abused. And there's no sense giving the devil um, any glory of how she was being abused. But she was being abused by her stepmom and her stepbrother. And um, it was a very sad situation. And the judge, when things would be taken to the judge, she'd say there would have all the whole stack of stuff written by a social worker of what was going on to this girl, how she uh, was made to sleep under the table or, or just because she wouldn't eat pork and, and how she, all her toys were thrown away in a dumpster and how they dyed her hair different colors and made her look weird to go to school and, and all the stuff that they did to this 8-year-old girl. The judge would say, I don't have time for this. There's a lot, you know, and she would just pass it over. And my friend said, was crying. She said her, it was her granddaughter. And I, we said, okay, let's pray. We have got to pray. And so her and I call every morning for prayer, about 6.30 my time every morning for prayer. And we've been praying Exodus 14. Now that is powerful, Exodus 14. That is where they are trying to cross the Red Sea. And we're praying that God will take this girl from this side and take her safe on the other side of the Red Sea. And we're praying that, that the father and the stepmother's chariot wheels will get stuck in the muck. And they'll be so stuck in there, they will quit trying to do stuff to her. And it's happened. We have pressed into God's throne until something happens and we're still pressing into his throne. And the father lost his job, so he didn't have as much money to fight to give to the lawyer. You know, and there's just been different things. And yet we still had the same judge. And every time something would come up, we would pray. And finally the judge ruled that the little girl couldn't, didn't, couldn't be in the home anymore because there was too much investigations. He sent a, a, a special detective that took an interest in the little girl and took it higher up. And that was all through prayer. And last night, my friend called, and she said, you won't believe what happened. God, God has just done another miracle. That judge, who has been so ornery and who doesn't care about a little eight-year-old, last night found out that she had taken another position, and now she, they're getting a brand-new judge and a new court date. And we have been pressing into God's throne every morning. And we're going to keep pressing until something happens. Brothers and sisters, we give up right 
right? When we pray and pray and pray and we don't see results, then we give up. And in the meantime, all the stuff that's been happening to my, to my friend is, is that her, her niece went to jail because she was connected with a man who was selling drugs. Her mother, who had to have her legs amputated, and she had to go off and be with him. Her husband, who, whose um, uh, kidneys and bladder failed, and, and they can't even give him a, a, a kidney transplant, is falling apart. And, and she's just having, it seems like every time she turns around, something's happened. So we, whatever time of day, we fall on our knees, take our Bible, and we start claiming promises. Lord, you said to call on me in Jeremiah 33, 3, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. And God has been answering, and we've been pushing. We've been pressing on. Pressing on the upward way can only be doing push until something happens. We need Holy Spirit power, and we need to push and push until we have the Holy Spirit. We need to say, Lord, come into me. Help me. And when things come our way, it is instant to turn to God in prayer. I was asked to do a week of prayer, and I don't have time to tell you the whole of uh, how God dealt. But I said I turned it down twice and said, I, I don't have time to come to this week of prayer. I, I have so much other stuff going. Isn't it amazing how we can tell God what we have going and he, you know, and we're his and, and we just try to tell him. And finally God said, Linda, this is your assignment. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, Lord, but I don't know what to do. I, I don't have time to plan. What do you want me to do? I'm trying to plan programs for kids time bible stories i'm planning programs for tiny tots what what do you want how do, when do i have to do this and he said linda just go and love them i said that's it lord he said i'd want you to go and love them love those children for me just go and love them tell them that i love them and I didn't even know. I said, well, Lord, you know, I, kids are visual. What do I take? And I felt impressed to take a candle, and I took some little lambs, and I took a cross, and I had this well of, of where it's a woman is at the well, and she's holding her bowl like this, and there's the, the water comes out where Jesus is holding it, and the water comes out and fills her, her big bowl. And I had that, and it's about this high. And I just took random things like that, what I was impressed to do. And when I got there, I set that all up, and I got there early, and I prayer walked. I prayer walked around the school, asking God to chase Satan and his evil angels away. And then I went into the desk of all the, where the kids were in the classrooms, and I knelt down, and I put my hand on each desk, and I claimed their souls for, for Christ. Because you know what? They belong to him. He died for them. They're his. We can claim them for Jesus. And as I was claiming all them for him, I went into where we were having the worship room. And I, I put my hand on every single chair, and I prayed for their salvation, and I asked God to pour out more of his Holy Spirit than he had ever poured out before. I confessed every known sin that I had. And that morning, God had impressed me to dress up like a new character, uh, a different character every day. I started out with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and I had soft music playing so that all the senses would be touched with Jesus. The lights were dim. And I had the water, you could hear the water filling that, and I had a cross with little lambs by it. And I had in the center, I had this candle with three wicks. And when the kids, they came in the door, and I had ages kindergarten to 12th grade. Now that 
It's not an easy group all at once for one hour. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I said, Lord, I'm just your vessel, so you're going to you do it however you want. And the kids came walking in, and they stopped. And then they very quietly, and the big boys came over, and they sat right in the front. And the kids were quiet. And all of a sudden, I heard one of the teachers coming in. What do you think you big boys are doing in here anyways? Get off that front row. And all of a sudden, the whole mood changed. And I said, Lord, we are in trouble. I said, we have claimed, have claimed your promises. Lord, you've got to get Satan out of here. And those big boys, when they got off that bench, let me tell you, they had attitude. They got off, and they looked at me and just went. And they went and sat in the back row. And that teacher stood there with her sternness, and she just looked at those kids. And she just like, you dare move, and you're, you're dead. That was the kind of look. And I was just like shaken. You know, I was like, Lord, please. And the little one sat down, and she got everybody there, and principal came in, another teacher, and they were all like guards standing there so that none of them could escape. And there was about 50. And then I said, Lord, I need more of your power than you've ever given me before. That you will be glorified this week. That Satan will be put to shame. And that these teachers will give their hearts to you. And now I knew why God said that I was to go there and love these children. And I didn't know what I was going to do all day there from morning till night and after I was done in an hour. But God told me not to worry about it. He had me had my schedule already planned, so I wasn't to worry about it. And after that, I started speaking. You could hear a pin drop. Everybody was quiet. And when I was done, and they started back into the rooms, only the teachers were, were bossy. But the, some, but the students began to hang around. And they said, please, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? And the teacher says, we have math right now. And I said, well, I, I can spend the day. I can, you know, I can spend some time. And she said, fine, one at a time. And the other, the principal said, yeah, it's fine with me. Whatever. And the students, one by one, every single day, they started coming to me. And they started telling me. And one said, you know, you talk about, one, you talk about uh, how, how neat family worships are. This guy in 10th grade said to me, you got to come to worship at our house. My dad's the elder. You know what? When I, get, when I get old enough, I am never coming back to this church. And I said, well, what, what, why? And he said, because he sits there and reads to me out of the great controversy. Don't we know that that's private reading? Don't we know that we got to make Jesus come alive? What's the matter with us? Do we not know Jesus that we can't tell him a Bible story about Jesus and make it interesting? Do we think we've done our duty as parents when we just sit there and, and read something that's boring? Well, I'd fall asleep if somebody read that great controversy to me. It comes alive to me when I'm pouring over it with the Holy Spirit saying, Linda, get this message. I'm trying to talk to you here. And I looked at that young 10th grader and I said, please forgive us parents for painting such a bad picture of Jesus. Let me share with you who Jesus really is. And that 10th grader had tears in his eyes. 
another young boy came to me. And, and they were lined up. They were waiting in line. They would keep, say, keep coming, and the teacher would shush them back to, the, to get them back to the classes. And as soon as one would leave, another wouldn't leave. I never had time even as much to take hardly a drink, and I never ate all day. I just planned to, I planned to have a good breakfast and, I, and, and maybe some fruit at night. I didn't have time. And when I even had to use the restroom and I'd say, excuse me, I have to go to the restroom, the girls followed me in and tried to go in the stall with me. They didn't want to quit talking. You know, and I'd say, that's, okay, just wait right outside. And they'd stand right out there telling me their problems. So they didn't have a mommy and daddy that, had, that could listen to them because mommy and daddy were too busy making a living. And some of the stuff they told me was really sad. And I apologized to them again. Please forgive us parents for the wrong pictures of Jesus that we have painted, painted because he's not like that. One young girl said that her dad, if she doesn't keep Sabbath right and do what she's supposed to, he puts her head under the faucet of cold water to try to make her behave. We're more interested in kids behaving than we are knowing Jesus, aren't we? And that's really the sad reality of it. One young girl came to me and she said, you talk about the Sabbath, but she said, you know what? It's not like that in my house. And I don't have time to read it to you, but I have a letter, two letters that she wrote me actually, and I have them in my Bible. And she said, when we get home from school, it's like, hurry up, we got to get the, the cleaning done. It's almost going to be sundown pretty soon. And she said, and then she said, it's nothing but scrub bathrooms and toilets and hurry up and get done. And then when the Sabbath comes, it's like, all right, come on, we got to get here and have prayer. And after that, there's nothing. And if we say something, don't talk about that, it's Sabbath. I looked at her and I said, well, you know what? I'd hate Sabbath too if it was like that. But let me introduce you to the Lord of the Sabbath. He's not like that. You know, his disciples would have fun. They walked through a, grain of, a field of grain, you know, and they just were plucking it and eating it and talking and having a good time. But we make people think that they got our kids that it doesn't happen. The good things don't happen till Saturday night. Now, when the sun goes down, you can watch that movie and I'll pop some popcorn or whatever. It's really sad what we've done to our young people. And us as parents, we, God will forgive us, but we must seek his forgiveness. And we must say, Lord, change me. Help me to start anew with my kids. Help me to make you come alive to my children. On the playground, I went out. God told me, you need to go out to the playground. And these kids that were just talking, I'd say, come on, we need some exercise. Let's get some fresh air. So we'd go out there. And there was the teacher standing there. And I don't know what she was writing out. I, she must have thought she was the recording angel. And she was just sitting there, you know, writing stuff. And um, I, I'm, I'm watching these kids, and these kids over here are playing something called Star Wars. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. And, and some other ones are doing something else. And I don't know what the other ones were doing, but they're all in their own little world. And I just said, come on, everybody, we're going to play. And while we're doing it, I'm like, Lord, what are we going to play? I don't know what to play. And um, I saw this um, old rag over by the side, and I grabbed it. I don't, I don't even know the games I played when I was kids, and that was, you know, where you run around and drop the rag, and then somebody has to chase you around, you know. That was the only thing at the time I could think of. And while we got in a circle, I said to the teacher, come on over here. Let's come and join us. And she goes, 
oh, uh, uh, no, no, uh, I, I, I'm busy. And I said, I wouldn't stop. God just said, no, you keep on till she comes. She needs to play with these kids. You know, brothers and sisters, before we pray with our kids, we must play with them. We must play with them. And these, the, finally, the teacher was so embarrassed, she finally came over and joined in the circle, and she really didn't know what to do. You could tell she didn't know how to play. She only knew how to be bossy and give out orders. But God did something in her heart because by the end of the game, she, the kids saw that their teacher could laugh. That she really wasn't all stuffy and all she cared about is if they got their math problem, you know, pro- problems done. At the end of the week of prayer, these kids had been calling their parents to come. And they said, come to the week of prayer. Something's happening in our week of prayer that's different. The only thing happening was is that they were seeing Jesus. Every day it was a new story of Jesus. And they were getting to know who is Jesus. A thoughtful hour a day, brothers and sisters, just getting to know who Jesus is will do you more good than anything. We must know Jesus. He loves us. And we must, the first step in coming to Jesus is to know and believe the love that he has for us. That's the very first step in coming to Jesus. We have to know and believe that he loves us. And one of the parents had been, a lot of the, they'd been bringing their parents. Now I had parents. They put up folding chairs. And now parents are coming to these meetings. And when we finished, I had promised a bunch of kids I was going to do something. I walked on outside to go get my clothes to change back in from my, um, from my outfit, the, the woman at the well outfit. And one of the mothers stopped me. And she said, thank you. Thank you for this morning. She said, my husband's an elder in our church here. And um, she wasn't a happy person. I could see it right away. And while she was talking to me, God says, tell her that you'll go home with her and clean her house right now. And I'm like, okay, Lord, but I'm, I, this just feels strange, but I'm going to say it because you're telling me. And I said, um, I will come home and clean your house for you right now. She said, huh, what? She said, well, how did you know this is my day off and I was going to clean house? And I'm like, I said, I didn't, but God told me. And she said, huh? She said, well, you can't do that. And I said, well, if you have some clothes for me to wear, she said, well, I, I probably could find something. I said, because I probably can't change it. I can't do much in this gown. And she said, and I'm wearing this gown. And without anything else, we jumped in our cars, and I followed her. She lived out in the country. And she had a two-story farmhouse, and it was a big one. And when we got in there, I saw that she needed a lot of help. I started vacuuming her floors and scrubbing. And God said, sing, Linda. Sing. I sang, and I don't know how I did this, only through God, but I didn't even get hoarse, which I often do when we, when, when we are a whole weekend of doing stuff. I sang and sang, and the songs flowed. As soon as one song ended, the next song was right there. It never stopped. I sang for four hours. I didn't even realize it till later what a miracle God had done. And when we were all finished cleaning, 
the house was sparkly and shining. And she stood back with tears in her eyes. She said, I haven't seen it this clean, and I don't know when. She said, that meant so much to me. And she said, I have a really bad marriage. My marriage is falling apart. My kids are so hooked on rock music, and they're hooked on all this stuff. Yes, they are. They're searching for love all in the wrong places. They want to be accepted and all this stuff, and they don't even realize who Jesus is. And we as, as, as parents, you know, we, we just we, we don't have a hold on Jesus. And that's why our kids don't have a hold on him. And, and we're, just fall, you know, we're just falling apart. And I said, you know what? Would you like to prayer walk your home? She said, what? I said, if we're going to press ahead with Jesus, we've got to forget what lies behind. You know, your house is clean now. Forget about the dirty house. Forget about everything. But we're going to go forward with Jesus, and let's prayer walk. We prayer walked her. Live. She said, I, I, fine, but I don't know how to do that. And I said, well, let's just start right here. We started in the TV room, and we went and put our hands on the TV and prayed and claimed God's promises that, th- that nothing would be watched on this TV but what would glorify God. You know, sometimes we watch things and say it was only had one bad word in it. Or I picked this movie up, it's really good, it has good moral, but there was only one bad word. And why do we think our kids think nothing of saying slang words that are against Jesus, whether it's G-E-E or G-O-S-H? And then we wonder why there's no power when, when we're attacked by Satan. Because when we claim the name of Jesus, we can't claim the same name of, of power over him that we've been mocking or that we've been making fun of or we've been jesting with. God is sacred. And so we prayed over that. We went and prayed over the chair where he sat all the time. He said he comes home. Everybody thinks he's the most spiritual man. He gives everybody everything. But when he comes home, he just pops in that chair and he turns on the TV and that's it. And then we and the kids don't even see him. He doesn't come to the table. We don't even, he's, a, he's off in his own world. He has no time for me and no time for the kids. He gives it all to church. You know, our first mission field is the home. If we're going to press forward with Jesus, we start in our home. If we're going to push until something happens, it's our homes where we start at. And it's from our homes that we can branch out and go out and help others. But we start our works of service in our homes. It's our first mission field. And so we prayed through everything. And when we got into the, we went into the bathroom, she said, are you praying in here? I said, absolutely. We prayed as all the impurities were coming out physically that all the impurities spiritually would come out too. We prayed in the shower that as they were getting clean physically that they'd be getting clean spiritually. We prayed over the children's beds and their radios and everything else. But when we got to their bedroom, we knelt at the foot of the bed. And with tears, we prayed for that marriage that was falling apart. And I just said, you know, I've been doing all the praying now. I said, you need to pray before God. This is your marriage, and you know what you need to pray about. And you can pray silently, or you can pray out loud, but you need to come before God right now. Because you know what? The devil's out there to disrupt every marriage that's out there. If he can break up the family, he thinks he's got them. I've got a young girl now that thinks that, you know, she's, she's with kids that tell her that, it, and she said they tell her this in the public school, that it's normal for two men to father a child or two women. They don't have any idea of what the family is anymore because it's so fragmented. And, 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 and it, God is saying, I want to rebuild the families. And in Jeremiah, he says, I want to rebuild the families. I want to rebuild them, and I will rebuild them. And so she knelt down and poured her out with tears. And I don't know everything that she told the Lord but she was weeping. And when we got done and we went ready to leave, she threw her arms around me and she said, I have never felt this much peace in my home before. 
she said, I feel the power of God in this home, and I haven't felt that, and I don't know when. You see, it comes from the word of God, from the weapons, our, our prayer, the word of God, and song. At the end of the week of prayer, as we get told the kids that right from the start, at the end is we're going to have a time where you can recommit your life to Jesus, where you can surrender everything inside yourselves to Jesus Christ. Do you want to surrender all to him? Now is the time. Take your step to say, I'm tired of just being this Christian that's just going through the motions. I'm tired of everybody thinking that I'm this wonderful person when I'm not. God knows who I am. He knows that I'm not this wonderful person. But he says, I love you, Linda, and I will finish the good work I started in you, Philippians 1.6. We can count on a God like that. And every time there's an opportunity, I want to step forward and say, Lord, I surrender all because every day, it's every moment. It's moment by moment with Jesus. It's not a once saved, always saved. You know, God did save us once on Calvary, but we must every day recommit to Jesus Christ. Every day our clothes get dirty. Every day we have to be redressed. Every day we need that armor of God. And when I gave the call, these young kids that have been having so much problems, stood to their feet with tears running down their cheeks. These 10th graders were no longer sitting in the back like this. God had done something inside their hearts, and they came forward. And the little kids came forward, and they were touching my skirts and hanging on to it. And the big boys were had their arms around me. And I, was, I had kids, just so I couldn't even hardly move. There were so many kids, and God spoke to me at that moment and said, Linda, they are not touching you. They are touching me. All glory had to go to God. I saw one of the teachers later struggling a little bit, and, one of, and somebody, had my fr somebody had told me later that one of the teachers stood up and was kind, starting to come forward, and they just sat back down. I did have a chance to pray with some of those teachers, and God did do some miracles in their hearts, but there were some that were still struggling. And that day there was a recommitment to Jesus Christ. Are you... Are, not just our young people, but every one of us need love. And when it was time to leave and I was packing up, one of the 10th graders came in and he said, you know, I really understand how you set this all up. And I said, I didn't set this up. God did. He says, well, I know why it's like this. And he explained to me why the order was what it was. Because every day we had a certain candle that we lighted that represented, we said we're inviting Jesus' presence, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And one time when I forgot to light the candle, one of those big boys in the back said, you forgot to light the candle. And then he felt embarrassed because he said it. They wanted that candle lit every single time. And he began to tell me what it meant to him spiritually. You know, we don't have to worry about what we're going to do or what we're going to say. We have Jesus Christ that we can take to the people. We have Jesus Christ that we can share with. And when I said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? He said, just love him. And you know, that's our commission. The last rays of merciful light, the last message to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love. And that's found in Christ Object Lessons 415 to 417. That's our last message, is a revelation of the character of his love that we ourselves are going to give to each other and to the world. And we need to start in our families. Jesus is asking you today, and I'm just going to ask if whoever's playing the piano, if they could start playing I Surrender All. 
that if you want to take a new time to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, and it doesn't matter if you've done this several times, but you said, I want to start over with you right now, Lord. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a child of yours, that Lord, that you can, that, that can bring glory to your name. Or if you've never given your heart to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, I, I don't want to wait till it's too late. I want to give you my all. Then I invite you to come forward right now and bring your songbooks with you because we're going to sing, I Surrender All. Because now is the time, brothers and sisters. We cannot wait. It's, Jesus is coming. He's coming, and he's coming back for people that know and love him. And I don't want to be missed out. I, I told the Lord this morning, Lord, I don't want to miss out. Do what you have to do to change me. I don't want to miss out on you. I want to be with you forever and ever. I surrender all. Do you want Jesus for yours? And when you come up, wrap your arms around somebody. Maybe it's somebody that you've never even been with before. But just, just wrap your arms around them. We're a family, and we, we need to act like a family. We love each other. We need to show it. Precious Heavenly Father, you see all the commitments that are made to you. Surrender means to give up the things that we haven't wanted to give up. To let go of the things of the world. To let go of the okay Adventist things to do, Lord, and get serious with you. To be people that will submit constantly to you every time the Holy Spirit says, don't give, don't do this, give this up. That will be so open to your ears, Lord, and hearing what you say to us. Lord, we also want to be a people that depend on you. And we can sum up our relationship in submitting and depending every second, every minute of the day. So, Lord, we want to reconsecrate ourselves to you. Don't let one person leave here today and forget the commitment that they made right now, Lord. I pray that this church will not be the same. Lord, that the people, that every one of us in our own homes will start realizing that our mission field is in our own home to our husbands, our wives. And, and if we're single, Lord, we have brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews to reach out to. Lord, every one of us have a mission field in our own little circle. And you only make that circle broaden as we, as we make use, Lord, of your gifts that you've given us and lavish them on our loved ones. Lord, we don't know how to love. So teach us. Lord, you said you would give us the Holy Spirit, and we're asking for it in fullness of power, Lord. Teach us to love like you do. You've said the end of all things is, is at hand in 1 Peter, Lord, 4, 7, and 8. You've said that we're to be watchful and prayerful, but you said above all things that we're to have fervent love for one another. And, Lord, we've had such conditional love. If somebody does something or doesn't do something, we base that on how we feel about each other. But, Lord, we want your passionate love. We want your fervent love for one another. So come into us, Lord, and may we act out that love whether we feel like it or not. It's not about feeling, Lord. We press on in faith. Lord, may we press ahead. May we forget the past and press ahead and go forward on our knees with you. And, Lord, we ask all this in the holy name of Jesus who died for us, who someday is coming in that blaze of glory with all the holy angels, Lord. And we can all look up and say, this is our Lord, this is our God, and you will save us to this end, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
And as you quietly go back to your seats or file out, please give everybody you see a, just a quiet hug in God's presence just to say I'm passing on the love just like I made the commitment right now. Don't leave. Don't let one person leave this church and not have had a hug.